Welcome to Wisdom Radio, an ad-free premium podcast fully supported by our listeners. This is Andy Height. Welcome. Today, we're going to take a journey within with Aaron McCormick. You know, Aaron is not only an author, entrepreneur, and inspirational speaker, but he's also somebody who was raised by a single mom in the city of Chicago, South Side. And, um, but at the age of 23, he became one of the world's leading tech business transformation sales executives, earning millions and receiving numerous awards and distinctions. He has been honored as Best of IBM, an award bestowed upon only 1% of 400,000 employees. Aaron also earned his Master's of Business Administration, MBA, from a top business school with the rare precedent of having no prior undergraduate college degree. <laughs> Pretty amazing. So he, um, he's going to help us understand the world within. He calls it Unbounded, Journey to Within. It's his new book, and uh, we're going to hear some of his secrets. Aaron believes that, you know, we all have this, and of course, you know that I believe this, we all have this innate ability within us to uh, decode answers for maximum clarity and self-actualization, he calls it. So um, I'm excited for this interview. I hope you are too. And let's hear what he has to say. So Aaron, welcome. Welcome to the show. So I'm just such a joy that I can talk to you today about this topic um, of really listening to yourself, listening to the voice within. You, um, I, w- I want to get into the book in, in a minute, but I just, I want to ask you how you from such a very young age became, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to hear this small voice and to discern what it's trying to say and to act on it. And, and I'm wondering how from such a a young age, you had such wisdom, it seems, um, uh, and, and a calling. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how it all started for you? Well, the first thing I would say is all of us have whatever we are from the minute we're born. It's, it's the spark and it's the personality, the spirit, essence, the energy. There's a lot of synonyms for it, but it's the thing that we were before we began learning what we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to be or how to fit in um, and, and to abate certain future concerns. So therefore we must do X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's that thing before there was any human knowledge imparted to us about what we are to be. I think the difference is some of us take on the shape of the external stimuli more easily than others. And those that are more likely to stay congruent with that original force or spark, and basically that just means to do what's inside despite how despite any ridicule or looking different or chafing against the familial norms or societal, whatever it may be, uh, some view that or experience that conflict of not doing what's inside of them to a greater degree than others. But we all have that original essence. And to me, Andy, the whole purpose of this human experience is to find our way back to that invisible thing that animated us as babies and long before we were even human babies, but we, you know what I mean? And, and 
so there's a process to it. Now, as far as why I was one that tended to be me a little bit more than maybe typical, I can't answer that. I mean, uh, that's that's just the journey as to how I am. And and I remember at my 20th high school reunion, people were telling me how I was, uh, you know, anti-bully for them and stuck up for them. And this, and I don't even remember these things. I can remember family telling me since I was a, you know, uh, elementary school and or older elementary school, so adolescent, teenager, telling me how when I was a toddler, I'd be staring at people's mouths, you know, squinting my eyes and wanting so badly to understand them and wanting to talk. So, you, so when you look back, you have these things that displayed, telegraphed who and what you are, all of us. It's not just unique to me, but, but they were there. And then gradually we morph and we deviate and we, um, you know, we, get, we consume other energies and ideals and we get further and further uh, away. Uh, and, I, and that includes me. So the sure. evidence is, you know what I mean? So, oh, sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something? Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, what you're saying is such an important message, especially at any, at any age, but for young people, you know, we have a lot of young people listening to this show and it takes a certain level of courage to remember and to step into oneself. Um, how do you find that courage and is it in people around you? Do, do you, do you look for people to support you or is it from within? What, what would you say? Support may come. I don't know that it helps to look for it because the more we expect, the more room there is for disappointment. And it's not that we're loners or that we want to not, not want other connection. It's that everything we need is actually within us. And that doesn't mean that we don't learn. Obviously we have to learn externally, but the main thing we learn externally are technical things. Someone can technically show you how to fix a car, program a computer, uh, be a psychologist, be a doctor. There are technical things you can be shown, but nobody is going to be able to show you yourself. No one is going to help you be in alignment with yourself. So the best way I can describe how one can connect within or find the courage to go within, as you said, is to just contrast two experiences. If you think about conflict, if you disagree with your sibling, your parent, your uh, counselor, any of those other things, separation can happen. Parents send you to your room. Uh, if there's a bad marriage, you know, you guys separate, maybe divorce, or maybe you, you just take your leave for a little bit. You go away, drive your car, whatever. Separation can happen when there's conflict. And it doesn't have to stay with you because it can be separated. But when you ignore and suppress yourself and you don't do what's nagging you to do, when you know something that invisible force is saying, you don't agree with this, but you lie to yourself and you accept a different experience because of fear, that voice never goes away. Even years down the road, you look back and you say to yourself, why didn't I, if only I would have, what if I? So the net here, Andy, is this. Conflict with yourself is far worse than conflict with any other entity. And if you haven't experienced it yet, well, usually if you're old enough to be listening, you have experienced it. You just haven't consciously reflected on it and said, yes. So 
let me minimize the amount of internal conflict I have in all things. And even if it's, you know, touchy things, you're like, well, I, this is the point is not to just be selfish and say, screw everybody else. It's all about me. We're still humans. We have intelligence. We have feeling. We have a way to do things lovingly. But you are not loving anyone else if you are unloving to yourself. You've got to find a You've got to be whole with yourself. And once you've done that, you can now use your mind to package it yourself, your way of being. You can now find a way to package it in a way that may be a little less hurting for others. But at, at the end of the day, it's their job to ensure that they're not hurt by their own journey. And it's your job to ensure you're not hurt by your own journey. So you wrote this book, and is that why you wrote the book? Because you just feel as though you have, for whatever reason, as you say, you landed here, um, in in a in your your essence, uh, yourself. Do you think it is very much to help others um, see what you see, uh, and and is that what this book is about? The book came about. I mean, it was written. Uh, started unbounded. Uh, we should say unbounded journey to within is. Journey to Your Within, which I just love that title. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, yes. So, I mean, it, it very much is about the reader, and it's meant to take the reader on their own journey and to connect dots, if you will, that have previously been unconsciously ready to be connected. So, like, whatever it is that we are, that we really are, is awaiting our revelation or our being revealed to ourselves. So we go, oh. Okay, and, and you gradually strip away what isn't really what you're supposed to be. So the, the genesis of the book came from just a, uh, a, a number one, I've always been an empath, and I don't know why or how we are what we are. I mean, asking how I am what I am is like asking anybody that is what they are, <laughs> how they became that. Like, do we ever really know? Because we are what we were before we were even here. And then the rest are things that is, is a physical output. So someone put a golf club in your hands at three or you started doing all, but, but that's, that's a, again, that's technical stuff that you might've been taught and learned and you may have physical aptitudes and such, but the, the essence, the spirit or energy, personality, disposition, the things that make you feel super high or the things you know, that, that motivate you are, it's just, it's a natural thing. And I've always been empathic for whatever reason. Um, I've always been against bullying and people bullying themselves even. I just love seeing people realize their power, being successful, being in control, and, and, and not seeing it any other way. And that apparently is a spiritual thing. It's a God-given, if you want to say that. you know, I think we all are actually connected with God, or we actually could be God dispersed by him in his form, if you will, or his, her form. I don't even view it as a sex. It's a ubiquitous force. But it's like, um, you know, uh, the book came from me having a journey that always belied norms for whatever reason. These were not conscious decisions because in my consciousness, it would be, it was scare, scary to make certain decisions or to go a certain way. But then my, you know, uh, I would have such conflict with not doing it, I had no choice. So I guess my biggest gift is facing myself, listening to that thing, um, and sometimes in the face of what in physical terms is hugely harrowing or scary or 
makes no sense, illogical. How could you do that? That was, you know, that's like death of yourself financially, or it's death of your career, or death of a relationship, whatever it is. But, but the connection to self was there. But, I, but I'll tell you this, and let me tell you this one thing on that question is, this is not about why or how someone can be that way, me or someone else. And, and if someone else isn't naturally that way, there's, you know, that's a, a problem. I think that we all are going to the same place in terms of connecting with our true self, the, the journey of being here and, and with all this physical minutia to distract is part of the challenge. People call it like the game of life. It's sort of like that, where we are here with everything that divides us, for example. We've created national boundaries. We have height. We have weight. We've got colors. We've got sexual orientations. We've got uh, things that we love to do versus things others might love to do. So all these things that are perceived huge differences or dividers, and, and yet we know we're all the same. We're all one. So so that challenge. So for a person, so there's two paths to being congruent with your soul or to having more the term fulfillment has nothing to do with money and wealth or any of the typical things. Joy either, that's internal. Money is an invented thing. It's a learned thing since we were born. And the whole point is, what are we beyond what we've learned? And once that's intact, all the other physical things that we think we value in this human experience will also get attracted, provided they're positive to us. So what are the two paths to having that congruency, if you will. There's only two ways. And you kind of got to know which way you are naturally disposed. And once you know that, you can start to address the other side. So for example, um, I should say not example, the two ways are through the mind and through the heart. The heart is the spirit. That's the invisible thing. That just, that is what we are. It is the soul so to speak, it, the heart has been likened to the, or um, yeah, I guess likened to the seat of motivation referred to as that. It's the thing that actually is motivating us or trying to at least. But the problem is the mind, for most people, the mind is what rules. For most people, it is learned, taught, expected, and consumed, consumed or absorbed energies, behaviors, dispositions, feelings, perspectives, and it's been happening since day one, and we absorb that so much, and it becomes this 800-pound gorilla sitting on the top of our bodies, and, and the little, if you think of it in a physical sense, that little heart organ pumping is no match for this gigantic swelled mind full of foreign information that is controlling how we are to be. So that's and, the, and, and ego, I think, too, you know, just same um, thing. Right. Yeah. Exact same thing. In fact, I right. often refer to in the book, the mind is ego. Some people think that ego only means that in the context of you think too much, you're too big and you got too much pride. Yeah, it, that's another meaning. But in the esoteric sense, ego mind is human mind, little mind, learned mind. So the fact that I'm scared of going bankrupt, that is an ego mind concern. It's a human construct. It's a learned uh, fear versus that essence when you were born as a baby and, and where you were before you became a human baby 
has no concern over things like the human created money or the or the failings of a relationship or because it simply is everything it simply is ubiquitous energy i remember the the series that morgan freeman narrated about god he was highly successful for a while and he just and he's analyzing the world's view of God and every culture and the spirit and what happens when we die. Does the body get lighter? Is there really evidence of a God or a force or energy? We've been fascinated with all this stuff. And the, the ego mind is lesser, obviously, than this force that predated your, your parents teaching you anything. And, and one of the biggest things that, that really hammers this home for me, Andy, is you ever hear of someone that you know, the two sides of, of a coin on the one hand, a person could be born into affluence and affection and support and encouragement, like the so-called perfect life, two parents. And that child still grow up to be sort of a delinquent, struggling, can't find their way. We, we've all seen that. On the other hand, you hear of people born into poverty and violence, alcoholic family or parents and stuff, and being told constantly, you're worthless, you're nothing, verbal abuse, and they somehow still become highly successful, highly inspirational. High, that's another obvious thing that's trying to tell us that yes, our external environment has a physical impact on us, but the heart, the spirit, the thing before is ultimately what's gonna govern the journey. And it is more powerful. That's so true. You know, in your book, um, you had touched on relationships. You dedicate three chapters to romantic uh, relationships. I'm wondering why and what important points uh, you're trying to share with regard to that. Well, inter interestingly about relationships and love in that context is it's like one of the top things that we need after food, shelter, clothing, we're looking for that. We need that. And yet it's one of the most least understood. <laughs> you know, food, we get. We all know junk food's bad. Veg vegetables are good. You know, some of the stuff we just get. But we have no clue about what's going on on the relationship side. And we have been trained since, you know, at five, six years old, when you first see your Disney movie, for example. Girls are trained, get pretty. Like that princess in that movie, you get that handsome prince. And the boy is trained, if I'm a prince, which means I'm rich, I'm handsome, I got some, then I'll get that pretty princess. And so we have, we're, it's, it's, an, it's an external reward system, cause and effect system, based upon everything external. And then that just gets perpetuated and expanded from there. And, what, and that's the biggest lie because everything starts with us first and since we are all energy, and scientifically, energy attracts its own kind, play with a magnet. If it's, if it's the same kind, they pull together. If the opposite, then they, they push apart. So we attract what we actually are, not what we want. So therefore, if you're a person, which 99% of us are, it's how we start. I don't know. There may be some <laughs> I don't know if there's a person that doesn't come up this way. Um, we are looking for validation, which means the person we get needs our validation. And since we haven't fully understood what we are, we haven't connected our own dots because we're full of all these binders, which I refer to in the book, all these externally absorbed things. 
So we don't even know how to validate our true selves because we're not our true selves. And so it is in that state that we then go and attract exactly the other thing that is similar. It, it may be manifested in different ways. So we all may have different habits, different outworkings, different patterns that chafe or rub each other wrong. But it's ultimately the same thing that we actually are, that our problems are, that our lack of connection is, is what the other person is. So, so, you, so you get that. And then you end up experiencing the a physical output of what you are, and it drives you nuts, and you're incompatible, and you think it's all them, because all these physical things that are wrong with them, and they actually are a mirror, just manifested in a physical different, physically in a different way. They're a mirror of your exact issues, what you're running from, or not, I shouldn't say what, how you are running from yourself. They're running from themselves. Your insecurity, their insecurity. Their, right. Everything mm-hmm. is... And it stays that way. And it's not until you fully know yourself. And I don't don't think we ever fully know it because I think we're that complex. But you have a better non-emotional grasp of yourself and how your life has served you, good and bad. So your vibe is in a position where you're not threatened by something that's different than you. You're not so expecting of something that when you don't get it, you're devastated because you recognize that all life serves you because your over soul, if you will, is in control and you can't just be told these things. And that's really the purpose of the book. It's not a, no one can just feed you a bunch of rah, rah, encouraging stuff because that's only feeding the mind. And we just said how the mind isn't what's really running the show. How do you how do you go through how do you take in information that forces you to believe or to become and to connect dots that that make it a fact for you? Because energy comes from belief. It doesn't come from a chant or a rant or a or a, or a concept that someone spoon fed you. You have to somehow recognize and see the results or the evidence that it becomes an absolute truth to you personally. And then from there, you start drawing in uh, partners that are of a similar disposition or of a similar soul-based awareness. So therefore, they're lower maintenance. They're not controlling. They're not ultra jealous. They're not, you know, that so-called fantasy partner is actually the fantasy version of you. Yeah. So that's interesting. So your, so your frequency, your. Um... Really, the the essence. Getting back to the essence of who you are, um, if you're just true, if you're true to that, and and you're 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 working towards authenticity, then um, that attracts um, somebody who who is going to kind of like fit, like a like a you know. So you're 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 in the relationship for the right reasons, right? To um, not 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 this sort of the more ego driven reasons. Right, but but more the the heart you're feeding each other's, um, you're, you're supporting each other and supporting each other's um, authentic uh, self. Really, do you think? Yes, well, you exactly. You are essentially, and and you said something that was spot on. To the extent that you are the actual you, the closer you are to your higher self, and your higher self doesn't have all these fears 
And you may say, well, how do you get to having no fear? Well, that's part of the process of understanding how everything has served you and going back through your life. But, but when you are, when you have fewer fears, you're closer to your higher self, which has zero fears. If you can think of yourself as a spirit, a force, or the spirit and force that God dispersed into a bunch of different pieces. Everyone has different beliefs, but one thing that's kind of universal across Bibles and all versions of religion is the notion that we are one with God. We are, we are, we are that energy itself, and we're all kind of connected and you know, loving others as yourself. So this concept of connectedness has been with humanity since forever, and we won't know the truth of it all till we die. Possibly we won't fully know, who knows, but um, to the extent that you are the wholest version of you, not what you've been told you are or been abused to believe you are if you've had that kind of life or been or, or, or you know, experienced through the lashings out of others or just the physical experience of being a human. You know, whether you're female and men are more sexual, so they may devalue any sort of emotional connection and just want sex. So, so that has created certain beliefs inside of you. Uh, there's all kinds of things that our experiences have morphed us to believe or, or, or to, you know, embody in our energy. And that, and that's the thing that is full of lies. So to the extent that you get to your true self, as close to that higher self, then you have no choice but to attract what that higher self is, which is higher self is light. It is unconditional love both for yourself and for anything else for that matter. It is not full of fear. It is all these things. And since like attracts like, you will attract more of those things. But there's a systemic process we have, a systematic process we have to go through um, to, to gradually get connected to that source. That That is what we have always been. Yeah, I love that. You know, the... I'm going to read you something here. Um, I do a little writing, um, and it mostly comes through in the form of, I don't even know exactly what it is. It's just sort of wisdom that comes through. Some, it, my father used to call it poetry, but it's not quite poetry because it doesn't rhyme. Um, but sometimes, you know, as you're talking, you made me think of this one thing that, that, that I wrote, and I, I just would love your reaction to it. Okay. It's, it's about finding your passion, which is, I think, part of what you're talking about. Um, larger than life or small, the fire burns within until the wind dies. Too much focus on the fire fails to recognize the importance of the air, the giver of flame. The air is not showy. It's not seen at all. And yet it contains everything the fire needs to burn brightly. You need to ask yourself, what is my air? What gives me the will to breathe to fill myself with the mysterious essence of life itself. Mm. For when you know, when you discover, the breath becomes deep and satisfying. It fills the bellows that are your lungs to fuel the fire that is your life's passion. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that was super profound and super spot on. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, um, it's so much of uh, what you're saying is, you know, there's this sort of this essence that is not, it's small, it's not showy, and... Um, and yet it's everything you need to uh, fuel your, uh, your passions and your life. Oh, big time. And here's how spot on it is in, in evidence 
if I can use pop culture as an example, since everybody tends to follow what's popular anyway and look to these things, the only problem is they look to them and they de uh, minimize themselves against these figures. And that's not the purpose of the figures. Figures meaning people that are stars, if you will, or illuminaries or, you know, uh, influential, positive, encouraging, or just really great at something. And everyone says to themselves, man, what, what can I be that good at? I, I'm a teller at a bank. I'm an attorney. I'm a whatever the job is, but I'm not on the world stage at whatever it is that I, that I do. How, how do I do that? Well, what's ironic is if we look at those that have gotten to those levels of any topic, these people are following their air and they do it at any cost. And it usually has nothing to do with showiness. For, for example, all the stories of pick a comedian, pick an actor, pick an athlete, pick whoever it is, and they love this thing so much, they do it for free, they sleep on couches, surf couches, sleep in a car, their parents are telling them, will you stop trying to be a comedian and get a real job? Why did you drop out of college? I mean, it's amazing, Andy, every story from Seinfeld to Eddie Murphy to Kevin Hart to, and that's just a comedian topic, we can just pick another one and go from there. All of them will say the same thing, that they would rather be in a car because when they're sleeping in a car, because when they're on stage, that is their life. That is what they get the energy from that, from the laughter, from the eye contact, from whatever those different elements are, is their life. So I'm okay if I live in a car, however long it is, because I'm living my truth. And that energy prolonged long enough through enough darkness creates additional strength and power because we transmute dark energy. Transmute meaning the shit that we think is uh, uh, so terrible serves us and makes us even stronger, gives us even higher appreciation. So now we're vibing on a different level on top of enjoying whatever it is that we do because we've gone through something that we thought was impossible to go through. Like, living in cars or living on the street or just for that cause. Now, on the flip side, if you take somebody that is moving to Hollywood or uh, doing something purely for the extrinsic outcome, the energy is not as strong. It's not heart. Like you talked about the heart being like a magnet. That is a mental goal and it's driven purely by an outcome. The high isn't there. And so the attraction, the magnetic pull for outcomes, for people, for random synergistic connections, strings just don't miraculously happen that way because it doesn't have the magnetic pull of the heart. And so they'll do it for six months or some number and say, you know what, since I really just wanted money and I've been broke for a year and I need those watches and purses and cars, let me just bail on this stuff and go do what will get it from me. And they bail versus the other people may be in that state for a year or two and it doesn't matter because their truth is what it is and and therefore the reality that our oversoul is gets married to the physical reality where it then gets incarnated so meaning it becomes the physical output the, the physical experience of greatness of bliss of i'm doing the fantasy job of 
everything is great. Just like it was before I became a human, I, I don't have the fears no more. I don't. So these people experience a larger than life experience because of following their air. So your poetry is so spot on. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, you know, I think what, um, I think what you see too, you know, you had mentioned going to LA or people who are sort of on a fast track. Um, but, um, then when they get there, when they arrive, it's empty, uh, because it maybe wasn't driven by their authentic self. And, I'd like to delve into a little bit about discovering that, that authentic self. Cause a lot of people say, Oh, I can't meditate or I can't, I don't even know what, what you're talking about. You know, for you, what have you noticed are some really good starting places for getting in touch with that authentic self, that small voice, um, turning down the noise and that type of thing. Well, the two paths that I mentioned, one is the heart, which is automatic. And that's not where most people are. Those are the, the, fast exception to the rule. And then the other one is the mind where you have to do a deliberate search and, and use the mind to, to go through your life or to analyze your habits, your patterns, to introspectively start asking why I tick this way, or I don't like doing that. Why? I love doing this. Why? What's the common thread? So lot, uh, I have a whole chapter in the book on why and how to use why to get to some real truths. One example, one exercise has to do with analyzing what you were at your youngest memorable stages, not memory for you, but memory for others. So when people can start discerning traits in you, so that means talking to parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and asking about certain patterns. You may say, well, that's too young. No, it isn't. That's the closest to your truth. So you may discover Things like always building, happiest when using their hands, touching, building, or uh, uh, hated to see conflict with others. If, it, if your mom and me ever argued or if this happened or whatever, even slightly, you were crying and you were tugging at us, you were stopping. You know? So all these little random traits that will start to paint a picture of your essence, and then you, and then you go a higher stage. What about at five? What about at 10? What about... Because the older we get, the more we deviate due to societal influence for, for all kinds of reasons. We talked about those earlier, fear and other stuff. So as you start to get a, you, you'll notice certain threads will follow you at all ages. You'll notice parts about your current state that matches your infant state. But you'll probably find that some of those traits are not what you employ on the regular. And that'll show you how far away you've gone. So you would love to build and do stuff with your hands. But you sit on a computer and you and you and you type, or you just sit on the phones, or you have a job that has nothing to do with creativity or art with your hands, or you you were highly empathic, and then you work in an industry that doesn't deal with people whatsoever, or you were so you you'll start to catch, uh, you know, how you're no longer on that path, and then if you start to create a sketch, if you will, of what that essence seems like, then you can start to back into reverse engineer, if you will, various careers, professions, business ownership that highly leverages some of those things, some of those traits. Um, and, uh, and that's one way to, be, to, to go about it. There's a bunch of others, but that's just a couple examples. Yeah, yeah. That um, makes total sense. And, of course, it doesn't have to be a career. It could be a hobby. 
right. could be a music or uh, there's this woman on, um, oh boy, I've discovered TikTok, which is just dangerous. Um, because it's, <laughs> but what I love about TikTok, speaking of passion, is it's, you know, often you will see people on there doing things they love to do. And there's one girl um, who does these mandala, she paints mandalas on stones. And um, she just puts up videos of herself painting the mandalas, which are very meditative, just to watch her create these stones. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a simple thing. She just needed some paints and some brushes and her skill and her love of sacred geometry, really. Um, and she is like selling these stones and, and she's totally making a living at it now because she's really good at it and she's refrigerator magnets and everything you can think of. That's awesome. Um, but it's, it was unexpected. She just started doing it because she loved it and it sort of grew. So I think this idea of putting a toe in the water um, with your true passions and just seeing what happens, being allowing yourself to be a little experimental um, and not putting so much uh, weight on the outcome, but just sort of allowing it to grow, almost like a plant, a seed that you put in the ground and you water it and tend to it and watch it grow. That, that's so true. What's ironic about that is about your, uh, your friend there is, I talk about that almost in a very similar way in the career section of the book where, you know, how, how do you get to something you love or how do you actually have the dream life? Like people look at athletes or actors or usually those, because those are things that put us in joy since we were babies, like, like babies. There is no, I'm just a CEO of a large corporation that sells word processing software or whatever. Uh, there, that doesn't equate to us as babies per se, but things like, you know, uh, fashion or art or sports or all those things are very innate to us. Even, you know, the arts, performing, interacting with people, seeing their energy as they interact with you, all that stuff. So what's interesting is, to your point, if you were to just focus on being in your joy space more, because by the time we're adults, we've stopped doing all kinds of simple things that really felt great to us. And eventually the thing that feels super good is going to re-emerge, re-emerge because for many of us, it's completely absent, our life. And we wonder why life is just kind of mediocre. We are energy. So if your energy is not reaching highs, then you are in a mediocre life. That includes if you are worth a billion dollars, but you are disconnected from your original spark and the things that would make your energy high you're not doing those things, 50,000 square foot house, $4 million in cars, all the other people's admiration, you are in a mediocre, low vibe life. And often those people even kill themselves. So it has nothing to do with where the money comes from. It's what are the things that bring me the higher vibrational frequency? And, and if you start doing those things, even as a hobby, as you mentioned, just as a hobby, make time for it you will gradually start to minimize the things that may make you money, but take you away from that vibe. Pretty soon you might cut back your hours at work and go part-time and cut back some so-called luxuries that really are inconsequential to your high vibe existence, at least. Now you simplify your life some just to enjoy your hobby more. 
you get so good at your hobby, like your friend there, and now it starts to make you money and it completely replaces the part-time, you know, the, the other half of the income you were once making and eventually eclipses it because your vibe is so much higher. So yes, you, it, regardless of the money, we got to get to where we are doing things that are genuinely joyful to us. Now, you're someone who really understands that firsthand, um, I think. <laughs> um, so you had extreme success early, um, climbing the ladder and um, becoming Best of IBM Award, uh, bestowed on only 1% of the company's 400,000 employees, um, and earning an MBA um, in a sort of an untraditional way, I guess, you say. Uh, uh, so you had... All the success early, um, was there a point that you realized, um, hmm, there's got to be more? Or was that your more? The, the point of realizing there's got to be more has always been there. And it started becoming even more pronounced in my very low 20s. When I first, I remember my very first house, I was exactly 20. It was a four-bedroom house in the suburbs of Chicago, a two-car garage, nice yard. I had a Lexus GS300, which was like a 30K car used to me back then. And, and like a, a Honda Accord was the daily car. And I had a sports car, a Nissan 300Z as my toy car. So I had three cars and a house at 20. And That's pretty about amazing. Six months, <laughs> right? And about six months into that, I remember being aware that they didn't mean much. I still watched them. I still appreciate them. So it's not like I was a sport bride and, and didn't care no more. But the novelty had worn off. And, but we've been learning this lesson since we were babies. All of our toys get old. But, but they somehow don't become a universal lesson to learn from. And that's part of why we take a mental approach to say, let me go through some things and really make some lessons consciously learned by me. But anyway, at that age, I didn't try to learn this. It just kind of happened for me. So this is part of, I'm one of the, I guess you'd say, rare ones that live by the heart completely. That make me special. Just this is the journey I chose, my oversoul apparently. And, and others may have chosen to be more challenged, a more challenging journey. It's kind of like picking the level of your video game, right? And so I, I got I to gotta break through um, and connect dots on my, you know, to liberally do so. Anyway, there I was at 20 and I go, Okay, so I used to worship the 300ZX. I remember the Nissan commercials. They were awesome commercials. And I'm 12 years old, reading car magazines, drooling over a 300ZX twin turbo, etc. A house is the American dream. I'm raised by a single mom. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to just provide. I had no dreams of riches at all. I just wanted to be a consistent provider because around me I saw examples of the opposite. And, and I would talk to older men at 12, 13 years old. Hey, what do you do? I, mean, I, had, a, I had a very, some would look at me and go, oh, trust me, you're going to be fine. And I would get frustrated by that. But they knew what I didn't know. They knew that it wasn't normal for a 12-year-old to have such profound questions and to care. So they knew I'd be okay if that energy continued. But that was never, that was never satisfying to me. Anyway, the point is, back at 20, I realized, Andy, I'm like, if this were a 15,000-square-foot house on the beach, it would have gotten just as old because when I first got that house, I was like, wow, I got a nice house. What a, what a cool picture of stability and success. Look at that. And six months later, nope, just my house. Wow. I got this Z. Oh my goodness. And then six months later, just my Z. So if you scale those up to a Ferrari and a $20 million house, 
same thing would happen. So at 20, I realized this, this does not fulfill. This is not me. Now, little did I know I would go on to then go from 80 or 100K at 20 to hundreds of thousands and even seven figures in a year. Um, but, but that was never my specific focus or goal. I just, I was in a career that used some of my traits, listening, empathy, critical thinking, uh, and, and it allowed me to sell really big, expensive software at high levels of business to see the, to the C-suite CEOs and all that on down to everyone in between. So I, I picked a physical career that matched traits of my original essence, who loved to learn how, who wanted to learn how to talk at a, as a toddler and was you know, fascinated by communication and very empathic and all. So I happen to have a career that leverages those traits. What came later, though, is realizing that there's a higher level of bliss. I shouldn't say bliss because that was, the career was not bliss. There's a higher level of alignment whereby I'm not just making companies a fortune by selling them a te technology that makes them way more efficient, make more money, and also put a lot of money in my pocket, buy me some cars, let me travel the world. That, that, that was not as fulfilling as what was the essence that even put me on that path, the whole essence, which is empathy, which is a measure of wisdom and introspection and a, 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 an awareness of merit, meaning we are only bound by our own idea of, of our own merit, of our own worth, if you will. And so um, the shift to go from helping people in a random basis, friendships or friends, I should say, or even clients that might've gotten personal over a lunch and tell me about problems. And I'd have these introspective questions that would lead them to their answer in really challenging situations. And once you have your answer, a whole load lifts off. Have you, I mean, we, we all have to have noticed this where sometimes the biggest stress is just not knowing which is the right thing to do. And once it hits you like a ton of bricks, the whole load is off. And that's more evidence that being united with your soul and knowing what your truth is, is the absolute most important thing. So that's when I decided about 39. So look how far along that is, right? That's what I'm saying. We're all, we're all drifted away from our source. The question is, when do we align with it? Do we do it at four years old? You know, and, and we're, we're Tiger Woods or we're some other phenom that's destined to bring joy to the world through a sport or through singing, you know, as some phenomenal way, or do we, do we figure it out at 39? Do we, do we connect it at 70, 80, whatever. But at 39 is when I said, it's one thing to ad hoc help a couple hundred people, hundred people, I don't know, from family to friends, you name it, to then say, why don't I systematically, you know, document some of the biggest issues in life that we face and go through a process, go through steps, share this, Universal wisdom, because I do believe it's universal. I don't have a monopoly on it. We all communicate it in different ways. We all are in different packages. We have different journeys, which may resonate with some more than others. But none of this stuff is brand new to anybody. But the way it hits you may be completely brand new and just for the given person, because we attract what it is we need to hear. So I said, I, I need to communicate this in the way that my soul is, has told me to. And, and help in a more macro way than just onesie twos. So that's how the book came about. Well, yeah, and what's really interesting, uh, I think, about your journey is that, and also because of your journey, I think you're able to reach certain people maybe that other people can't reach. So, you you know, you were entrenched in this business world, um, and so you have certain credibility 
in that realm, you know, sort of been there, done that. And um, now you are, I would think, coming out of the closet with regard to the softer side of self um, and admitting not only that it, it's there for you, but that it's, it's central. Um, and uh, has that felt risky? And what has the response been from your peers? So first of all, just like your poetry, that your, your dad would call it poetry, but your channelings, if you will, your soul is channeling me with that question, right? So like, uh, I consider myself a bridge. We all have a composition, a purpose, and the two purposes I talked about earlier, serve yourself, have an experience. I don't know if I talked about it with you, actually. We're here for two reasons, have an experience, whatever that is, suffering, pain, etc., as well as, you know, triumph, success, love, acceptance, Whatever the human journey is, we came in for that. And the other thing is to share, to give, to experience the connection. Only two reasons we hear. Everything else is a sub-bullet to those points. Um, so as I look at my composition, and you can do this too, Andy. Everyone can do this. It's a fun thing to do. You realize things about you that are absolutely perfect for what you apparently chose to experience and do. You know, people say, oh, humans are imperfect, there's no perfection. No, there is perfection. The perfection is not in other people's eyes, the perfection is in your journey. It's in the correctness of what you were supposed to experience. So think about this for a moment, Andy. I am ambidextrous in the most unique ways. I won't go into the details, but I'm weirdly ambidextrous. Right brain, left brain. I am, to your point, very grounded in the physical reality of business, analytical, literal stuff, and intellect in, a, in the most intellectual sense. Yet here I am on a very esoteric journey sort of platform as well. So there's the bridging happening. So on multiple fronts and throughout my life, at various parts of my life, I was this bridge. I'm running around with friends in high school that are gangbangers. Yet they love me, I'm cool with them. But then I can pivot over here and I'm cool with some nerds. And I'm not ridiculed by either, right? So I'm a bridge to touch on both sides. So that's a personal decision for this journey. That's not a better journey than anybody else. It's not a special journey. It's just realizing from the physical, me being ambidextrous, to the, to the supposed challenges of my life. I say supposed because to all of our higher self, none of these things we experience are really challenges, but there are challenges in this human reality. To my challenges, to my, uh, you know, my, my lack, my perceived lack in the physical world or what I didn't have as a child or didn't have a father or that all that served me, didn't have wealth as a child or I happen to be black in an era where there's all this, this racial conflict, but yet in other eras, Black ran the planet. In fact, Black has been the leaders of the planet for longer than it's been under the thumb for 400 years. I mean, human humanity supposedly stemmed from Africa. That's why it's called the motherland. From a DNA perspective, from a biblical perspective, you name it. But it's not, you know, none of that matters. But it's like everything you are, you're supposed to be it. So I, I am a bit of a bridge. I am a bit of a conundrum. <laughs> I, I was... I was the only one in high school, the only male in high school, 
that selected keyboarding or office education as my work program as a senior, where you get out at 10 a.m., you get to go to a job, you get credits for that job. All the other males, all of them, picked distributed education, which would put you in a retail establishment like a Walmart, which is closer, make more money, stocking, put you at a UPS. I was making half what they made per hour, working an hour away at a bank downtown Chicago, hopping on a train, which cost me money to pay for this monthly ticket, plus it cost me two hours a day in hourly pay, plus my pay was lower, and I would look feminine because it's a keyboarding typing class, and after all, women are secretaries. That's, that's the mindset, right? And here I am in my yearbook picture, the only dude surrounded by like 20 girls with typewriters in front of us. But I knew that, and I'm uh, completely, you know, uh, athletic, man's man. I love cars, sports, all that stuff. There's, there, there's, I mean, nothing, there's nothing wrong with femininity, but I'm just saying, I mean, that, that was, had nothing to do with it. But I knew that the world was heading toward technology and that we were going to communicate largely that way. I graduated in 94, I'm 43 years old. That was back in 94. There were no browsers really, I mean, barely maybe Netscape, but the internet was basically bulletin boards. So it's not like I knew for a fact that we would be as addicted or as technology would be as prolific, but my gut, my soul told me you'd be a fool to not know how to type. That's like not knowing how to speak. Right? So I followed that despite the perception of was fruitcake, you know, whatever you want to call it. You look at you in a girl's class. So my point is throughout my, now I can look back on all, all that and see how it connects with my current reality. Here I am a business person and I'm talking what some will consider esoteric woo-woo fantasy crap that only someone that's poor that needs something to believe in should be talking about, right? That's how some people will, will couch the topic of anything spiritual like that. They're so wrapped up in the physical experience right, right. that they're not, they're, they're not ready for it. Well, I can be a bridge to your exact point. Well, nice. Well, I'm glad you are because we need more bridges like you. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to day to, to chat with me about all these things, which I find endlessly fascinating, obviously. And, um, I, uh, I look forward to uh, seeing how your journey unfolds, uh, and I hope we can touch in again at some point. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, and keep doing what you're doing, you're trying to help people find their greater self, too, and find our connectedness. All that is very good. I always feel like I'm talking to soul family when I talk to people that, that are not um, you know, just doing the typical job, if you will, but they've decided to something inside them tells them to connect more to themselves, to others. So that's great. I love what you do. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you have yourself a great day, uh, rest of the day. And, um, we will, I can't wait to hear this interview a little bit later when I, uh, can actually, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of it and you're doing the interview, um, you miss things because you're thinking about the next question and then it's so fun <laughs> to go back and actually just listen. So, um, wonderful. Okay, Aaron. We, uh, oh, and if folks want to learn more about Unbounded, uh, I will have, obviously, the link on wisdomradio.org if people are listening to this podcast from elsewhere. Um, but why don't you go ahead and just, uh, is there a URL that uh, people should go to? Uh, yes. Or, or, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Uh, the book, uh, my website, unboundedbook.com. Same website, aaronmccormick.com, depending on how your mind works. Some people like names. Some people like to hear a title of a book. 
AaronMcCormick.com, UnboundedBook.com. Also, Instagram is the Aaron McCormick. Aaron is just like uh, the male Aaron, double A-R-O-N, and then McCormick like your spices in the kitchen. Um, let's see. Oh, Facebook, same thing. So Facebook.com slash the Aaron McCormick. Okay, perfect. And it's on Barnes and Noble too.com as well as Amazon. I, I'm I'm very um, I, I'm very excited for you. Congratulations on all your success with this. I appreciate that. Thank you. You too. Okay. Take care now. Bye bye. This is your host Andy Hyde. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting Wisdom Radio through your subscription, so we can stay ad free the way we like it. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wisdom Radio. Guest suggestions are always welcome at wisdomradio.org. Until next time, remember to follow your brightest path.